News Talk 94.7 and 970 WMAY. I am Kevin Hart, and this is Let's Talk Arts and Entertainment. Today, we'll be featuring interviews with Courtney Wick. A little later on, we'll be talking with Betsy Butel. And then, a preview of one of my newest segments, Bottom of the Bargain Bin Movie Reviews. It's all coming up. But first... Here is Courtney Wick. Uh, I, wa- I want to talk to you a little bit about theater. How did you get started, and how did you get your love in uh, love for theater? Oh, how did I get my love of theater? Actually, I think I have to probably talk about another person who does theater in Springfield. And who's that? I actually think it was probably Christy Lazaridis. All right. Oh, yes. Party. Yes. She does a lot out at Muni and just everywhere. She most, I mean, I think probably most people have had her as a vocal director. I have several times. Point. Yeah. Yeah, at one point over the years. Mm-hmm. So when I first moved to Springfield um, in like fourth grade, she she and I became friends and she was very involved in theater then. She, um, she loved it and she talked about it and... Uh, she was always she was a child star mm-hmm. <laughs> in yeah. and I don't know I I always kind of uh, enjoyed what she did and I wanted and I thought it was really cool and um, I I wanted to do the things that 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 she was doing and I kind of just found a love of it and a love of the arts in general I I'm. I mean, I do all kinds of things oh, yeah. in, in the art in the arts world, and so I think it was probably her. I, I, I'm trying to think of a time before that. I guess you know I did plays and stuff when I was in kindergarten, thing, but oh, yeah. I think having a, a best friend or a friend that was super into it, you know, it really when you're at that young age, um, really kind of draws you in. And you know, having that bond with somebody, and then of course all of your friends do it, and it's so fun and you're all in high school and you get to go to the theater together and you get to stay out late mm-hmm. and go to rehearsal and it's super cool. I mean, just to you. Everyone else thinks you're a cute oh, yeah. well, <laughs> Hey, you're, you're talking to me. Don't worry about it. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you know, to us, we were cool and, and it just felt like you have a sense of community with people. So I think, I think that more than anything really drew me in, that sense of community with a group of people. Um, all working towards a common goal together. Yes, that even is. At a, even at even at a young age. Oh yes, that sense of community, which is it's so it, it is very it's unfortunate. Um, and it's you know a lot of people may have seen this uh, coming. Unfortunately, with um, everything going on in the world, uh, yeah. Muni just recently announced they're having to push their season back. Uh, theater in the Park announced a bit ago, and a couple other theaters. Um, I mean, how is because I, I, obviously, I know you've been involved in the Muni, um, both on staff and on stage. Um, how is, I mean, how has all this um, affected you theater-wise? Well, in in every way possible. Mm, yeah. So obviously, um, I was uh, I was casting Mamma Mia, mm-hmm. so you know we won't be you know we'll be postponing that till at the Muni. So we'll be postponing that until next summer yeah. and I generally um, 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 I don't know what's going to happen in the fall and, and I'm generally in the nutcracker every year yeah. and I, I when I think about that I wonder will the theaters be open in the fall? 
uh, for, for the Nutcracker and the Christmas season. And I also, you know, I direct, co-direct a show every year at mm-hmm. Hope, where I, where I work. Mm-hmm. Um, and our, our musical was, was canceled, of course. Yes. For our students, I co-directed with Corey Blissett, and we were doing Frozen Junior, mm-hmm. and, and we have postponed our definitely because we have a little population of students, and you know, getting them together in a big group like that, we just we don't know. Yeah. So in every way possible, on stage, backstage, off stage, directing, um, yeah, theaters in general. That is a it's, you know it's a it's a scary time, and we don't we just don't know. I'm also writing a show for STC that's supposed to go up in March. Oh, nice. So, um, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I just, you know, we're not sure what uh, what the future holds. So, everything's just kind of on hold right now. I am a flexible person, however, so I'm not, I you know, I'm totally willing to wait. And I, I want to make sure everyone's safe and that we're all doing our part. Yeah, me. Yeah, me too. You know, we don't want to do, uh, you know, a show where there's, you know, because of crowd limitations, there's ten people in the audience, and you know, they're, you know, they're doing a love scene with masks and six feet apart. I mean, it's, you know, you, you want to make sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, you, you, we want, you know, we're willing to wait for these. So you mentioned hope. Uh, I've yeah. yes, I've been helping out. I helped out with Susical last year. It was a yes, wonderful you did. time. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, any you any time. Uh, thank you. I, you were too. We, I loved doing that, and I was I was so bummed because I was helping out with Frozen this year, and we were gonna, you know, we we're yeah. gonna do it again. But um, I, I understand. T- tell me a little bit about then how you got started doing the musicals at Hope or working at Hope, um, as well. Well, well, let's see. Um. When I finished my master's program, uh, I was looking for a therapist position, and Hope had just recently lost their art teacher. And um, my, my my master's degree is in clinical mental health. However, I was known in the community, you know, as just an arts person. I was the board president for the Springfield Area Arts Council at the time. And my very good friend Corey Blissett happened mm-hmm. to work at, be working at Hope. And I believe what he did was, you know, kind of go to the administration and say, well, we need a therapist instead and kind of create a different position. And they thought that sounded like a great idea. And so they did. And they called me in and, you know, asked if that would be something I would be interested interested in doing and combining my skills with my, uh, with my, new, with my newly found degree. And I said I thought that was, I would love to do that. And turns out I do love to do that. So uh, I became the art therapist at Hope. And uh, Corey and I now work very closely together. He's the director of admissions, uh, among many other things that he does there. Mm-hmm. And so we, we decided to come together and co-direct the musical. I also provide art therapy and talk therapy and some, and some other, um, do some other things there. But it's probably our favorite thing to do um, and it happens in the spring and so it had it had been taken over before in the past by I think a couple different people and so we kind of brought it back and we wanted to revamp it a little bit broaden it and include members of the community make it a truly all-inclusive show uh, because that is what hope is about Mm -hmm. and inclusion and um, you know so we have we have 
community members like yourself who yes. perform. We have people from uh, from the Muni who come. Uh, I know last year Lori Barnes, uh, she came and helped us with lights. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know you did. You also uh, helped us with some videography. Yep. And uh, you know, and and we have students from all uh, all of our different uh, areas of hope come and perform in the show or sometimes backstage and from, from our different uh, areas and our students come and see the show and we have community members come and see the show and administration we have them perform in the show so it's it's just a really neat different experience and um, I strongly suggest anybody who hasn't come to witness it or to see it to come Whenever we can put it on, yeah, because it's unique and it's special, and it's really unlike any theatrical experience you will ever see, pretty much anywhere else. It, Definitely in Springfield. It, it really is. When I first uh, started helping out with this, I didn't. I, I I'd worked with kids before, but I hadn't. I I didn't really understand much of right. what I was getting into. And the more, I, <laughs> no. well, no, but the, I mean, the more that I rehearsed and the more that we did the show, I mean, it's just, it, it is, it really was this magical experience. And, you know, by yeah. the time, and uh, you know, I've, everybody who does shows, you know, at the end of it, you get your post show blues. But I mean, this was, you know, at the sure. end of that show, I was so full oh, of emotions yeah. and I'm just like, this is, and you know, everybody said, this is such a wonderful, wonderful show and a wonderful experience, just like a wonderful experience yeah. all around. So, Yes, I do hope yeah. we get to do that soon because it is. Me it, too. it really is great. That was part of my interview with Courtney Wick. You can hear the rest of the interview after the break here on Let's Talk Arts and Entertainment. Remember, you can catch the latest Let's Talk Arts and Entertainment segments on WMAY.com slash arts and entertainment. News Talk 94.7 and 970 WMAY. Back after this. Back to my interview with Courtney Wick. I'm glad that I'm glad you had that experience, and it's true every time. I mean, you're exhausted by the end, but mm-hmm. it's also one of the most rewarding. Uh, yes, rewarding and truly, Absolutely. truly therapeutic mm-hmm. for the students and for everyone else involved. And the growth that we see from everybody is is. I think something unmatched in in other sort of therapeutic avenues. So, theater in general is something uh, that I think we can really lean on for for growth for our students and for for everybody really. So, yeah, yes, come see it. Abs- absolutely, <laughs> yes, I agree. I just want to ask you about something. Uh, changing gears a little bit here. Uh, there okay. is a a service you do, and obviously we aren't able to do this this you know time period, but. Um, that we're in with everything going on, but uh, you do a certain uh, a certain service, a card service. Tell, tell us tell us a little bit about that <laughs> card service. I, I yeah, oh, the yeah. words the words are just rolling off I my will, tongue. Oh. Okay, so I will call this yeah, I call it performance. Okay, I would say a performance art artistry. I dress up like a. Um, like a traditional gypsy mm-hmm. and I would 
I go to parties and I read tarot cards and poem reading and that kind of thing. And I do adult parties and children's parties. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, I can, I, it depends on what type of party, you know, because I can do Halloween parties. Oh, I've yeah. done Mardi Gras parties for adults, you know, at, at bars and mm-hmm. establishments and restaurants. Or I'll do like a kid's birthday party where there's just like 10 kids there. I did a Harry Potter birthday party. I've done birthday parties for kids that have their birthday parties around Halloween time. And, you know, I can make it as, you know, magical and um, non-scary. Or I can make it as completely genuine as an adult, you know, would like a care person. All right. So, yeah, I I think it's kind of an art form. And it is also, I mean, it is because it is partly performance yeah. art. And then um, it also is a little therapeutic, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> For a lot of people. A lot of people are just looking for some guidance, and um, sometimes they just want someone to talk to and to listen, and uh, a lot of times that just, you know, sometimes just having somebody there dressed up funny (laughs) (laughs) is all all they need to break that wall down. So, yeah, that's something I do, and uh, I started that probably right before all of this hit it was just last year and it, it's, it's going very well I've, I'm not doing that right now obviously um, we're waiting until things are a little safer because that's a very intimate sort of setting yes. and people aren't having parties right now no. so no. that's fine but uh, once we can start that back up absolutely you can find me uh, on Facebook mm-hmm. at uh, with Gypsy Tarot okay um <laughs> Yes. Oh, uh, so Courtney, what yeah. is next for you? What is next for me? I mean, well, as as um, I mean, you know, as soon as we can get stuff going for theater and all that sort of stuff. Uh, as I as I said, I'm usually in the Nutcracker, so I'm hoping that we'll be able to perform that this year. It's one of my favorite things I do ever hear. Yeah, and I. I absolutely adore being in the Nutcracker, and it's a magical Christmas tradition, so it's something I enjoy to do. I also really love doing the Festival of Trees. Yes. It's not, it's not theater, but it is, I, it is one of my pride and joys in Springfield. It's something that brings tons of people together yes, to create big... really cool stuff. Yes, a big community. Um, yes, big community events. Yes. Um, holiday traditions. I am a... Uh, an avid competitor of creating Christmas trees. I have three ribbons to prove it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, that's another thing. I already have like half the garage full of art supplies for my Christmas tree. Should we be able to do that this year? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I am currently working on a play. I'm writing a play right now. Okay. So. Um, I'm hoping that can go up at some point. All right. And um, I am also cast in Mamma Mia, as I mentioned earlier. So you will be seeing me sometime in that show, hopefully Mm -hmm. next year. Yeah. And, oh, um, also the legacy. So I don't know. um, The legacy is, they're doing this really cool performance piece set. 
right now on social media called Ghost Light Zone. Yes, it's wonderful. Yeah, they're so beautiful. And they graciously asked my husband and I to uh, perform a couple um, songs for them. So nice. I think we'll be going. That'll probably be the absolute next thing. Okay. Because we're going to be going over there in the next week or so um, and recording some songs. So that'll probably be the next thing. That's what's next. All right. And then comes who knows what. So. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, Courtney, this are- this was a blast. I love talking to you always. And we are... Uh, we're going to do this again soon, all right? Okay, that sounds good. Thank you okay. for calling, Kevin. Yes, thank you. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you. That was my interview with Courtney Wick on News Talk 94.7 and 970 WMAY. It is Let's Talk Arts and Entertainment. For the latest podcast, you can always go to wmay.com slash arts and entertainment there you'll find a full playlist of all the podcasts as i said my most recent one can be found there as well coming up in the next half hour of the program talking with betsy butel who was part of a local band and also does her own voice lesson so you want to listen into that so you can hear her you won't want to miss that interview and then coming up after that we will have the first segment of Bottom of the Bargain Bin Movie Reviews. It's a long title, but I promise you it's worth it taking some of the, not so much the worst movies I can find, but some pretty cheap ones that you might not have ever seen or maybe have thought you wanted to see. But when I explain them to you and tell you all about all the wonderful things in them, you'll say, man, where has this movie been all of my life? And where can I find it? Probably at the bottom of a bargain bin for pennies on the dollar. For some cheap entertainment for you, your friends, and your family. And the movie I will be discussing is the Kung Fu classic. At least it's classic in my eyes. The Seven Steps of Kung Fu from 1979 with a extremely wonderfully horrible bad job at dubbing over the voices which I know you won't be able to tell over the air that's all coming up on Let's Talk Arts and Entertainment gonna take a break for news and then Betsy Butel and Seven Steps of Kung Fu coming up next on the program just like all of the famous you know the ones that make Mm -hmm. a lot of money that everybody knows who they are they're stuck at home too Yeah. (laughs) so it's like everybody's kind of on this level playing field in a way you know they're offering lessons or they're getting together and singing and you know putting it on youtube or putting it out there digitally which now what's my seven steps hey, hey, hey come on up the top lads oh, here i am all right <laughs> oh, 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 oh this way you it's all on the way news talk 94.7 and 970 wmay talking with Betsy Butel. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great, Kevin. Great. So, 
So tell me about the uh, a couple different music groups you're in. Uh, can you tell me about those? Sure. Um, so for the last five, six years, I have been performing with a band called Take Ten, which is a ten-piece like soul, funk, disco. Um, definitely a band that makes you get up and dance. At least that's generally our goal. Oh get yeah. People moving and grooving, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, you know that band is comprised of some really amazing local um, legends, I guess. Yes. So um, our bass player, Jeff Cunningham, has been around the area for decades, playing all over uh, the world, actually, this last year. So we've taken a break recently. We haven't been out for a while. Mm-hmm. But um, that's because, you know, our, that, that big bad bass player had a pretty sweet gig, and uh, we, we figured we'd kind of hang out until he was ready to come back and have a good time but you know given current circumstances that's still uh still uh, up in the air for 2020 i think we had hoped to get back out there but um you know we're kind of kind of waiting to see what happens here and how things are opened back up and all that good stuff but we hope that we can get you know a couple late summer live music dancing uh nights under the stars with take 10 for sure um and that's that's really the only uh, organized group that I've regularly been a part of. But I do have my own kind of thing that I actually have launched this year, and I just it's Betsy Butel music. All right, cool. And Tell us a little bit about that if you if you can. Yeah, yeah. So it's really just kind of me, myself, and I. <laughs> and, uh, I um, I have voice students, and that. Kind of establishing that you know entity of myself um, helped me get a, a, quite a roster of young voice students. Um, a lot of times they're kids that are really shy, that don't have a lot of confidence, and that is something that I work on while also helping them fine tune their singing ability. So, um, but also that is something that I was planning on trying to kind of debut here this spring and summer as well and go out and do some open mics and things like that because um, I've recently started to play the piano. And oh, nice. Yeah. So I, you know, I kick myself now as an adult because my parents wanted me to play piano and I took some lessons in like fourth grade. Yeah. But my older sister was so much better at it <laughs> that I did not last very long and I just quit because I had to work so hard and it seemed like it came so easy for her so uh they did let me you know they let me kind of slide out of there but now I'm I'm definitely kicking myself for not sticking with piano lessons in this situation and I I've seen this you you could be able to do those uh remotely right just like all of the famous (laughs) you know the ones that make Mm -hmm. a lot of money that everybody knows who they are they're stuck at home too yeah (laughs) so it's like everybody's kind of on this level playing field in a way you know they're offering lessons or they're getting together and singing and you know putting it on youtube or putting it out there digitally which is it's kind of uncomfortable you know when you're used to being out and about and used to that face-to-face time with my students especially you know that's 
it's um it it, it would be an adjustment but i'm i'm kind of looking into offering that for my students because of the fact that you know we don't know when we're going to be able to get back together again yeah yeah it's yeah we no, yeah no idea when any of that uh, when any of that is going to happen um um if i can i'd like to um talk a little bit about theater because we both do community yeah. theater here in central illinois and um and uh before we get into the discussion of it if you uh do you want to give us a little well, a little history backstory of the uh, some of the theater that you've done, either in recent years or just you know, yeah, in the past, yeah, sure. in the past or anything, yeah. Sure, sure. So, um, well, the most recent that I I hope that uh, we get to do is um, I did get cast as Rosie and Mama Mia for yes. the Muni, yes, which is super exciting because that's a show you know I, it's so much fun. So oh, it's yeah. I'm, you know, just waiting with bated breath, hoping that uh, you know we get to we get to get started on that. Um, but prior to that, my only other Muni show was actually Shrek. That was a that was a great show. Yeah, Meg, uh, was, my sister was in that. Was Megan, yeah, she was. That was show. an awesome yes. show. That's yeah. actually how I met your sister. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but that was 2014. You know, that was like six years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so I. Uh, but in that time, basically, that I was with Take 10, it kind of dominated my summer, right? So yeah. Almost every weekend or every other weekend, I had gigs out in the in the community and wasn't really able to do summer shows. So um, for six years, I actually participated in Rocky Horror. Nice. Um, lots and lots of fun. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, like I said, I did it six years in a row, mm-hmm. planned five in a row, and then got kind of um, called on to help relieve kind of an emergency situation in that sixth year. So, yeah. Um, but uh, I was in Bright Star at the Legacy in October. Another great show. It was wonderful. And that yeah. was, and um, it was a remarkable experience for sure. Yeah. Um, one of those, you know, know one of those shows I did not know really a whole lot about it. I maybe heard like one of the songs. Um, but of, of course, you know, wonderful cast, you know, great show at the Legacies. I went and saw it. It, it was an amazing production. You guys did so good with it. And it was such a good You know, show. I have to, I mean, it, I've done theater for a long time. I went to college for theater. So mm-hmm. I, I, actually, yeah. I have my bachelor's degree in theater. And I worked really hard, you know, for that degree. But I'm telling you what, <laughs> I've not worked so hard on a show um, then I then I did in Bright Star. Yeah, that was because it was. I mean, yeah, I mean, you saw it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you weren't you weren't just an ensemble person, kind of walking on and singing in the song, or maybe doing this one dance. I mean, we were out there pretty. I mean, we were nonstop. Yeah, the whole time, all over the stage, and the big you know set piece turning around with the band in it. I mean, yeah. it was bit. Yeah, it was always yeah, it something was like going on. One big dance. It was like a big dance piece almost. You know, it's like yeah. this. Um, but yeah, you know, we worked really hard. That's a very memorable show. And I was kind of going through some weird stuff uh, in my life at that time, too. So to be surrounded by that cast was just it was a great experience. Yeah. Um, and then last summer, I also did uh, the Pirates of Penzance. Oh, yes. At Cedar in the Park. Is that a tip? I love I love tip, too. I have not done a show there in a while. I did a, I did Music Man, I think, 2014. My sister yeah. done shows a while back, but yeah, Theater in the Park's great too. Out in uh, out in New Salem, 
Yeah. You know, it's like there's a different kind of magic out there to that stage just because there's so much history yeah. to the site itself. It's like, it is, it is, it's such a great place to perform and it's a great place to see shows too. I think it's kind of like that hidden gem that a lot of people still, I feel like, like a lot of people don't realize it's out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even that show was fun. Yeah. And actually, Tip was um, the first local community theater um, place that I that I did a show, basically, when I moved back to the area after college, um, and I was living in a nearby town, and I auditioned for Kiss Me Kate. Oh, yes. Fun. And that was, uh, I, I can't remember what year it was, but it maybe was like 2008, 2008, mm-hmm. I believe it was 2008. Right, so yeah. That was a long time ago. Yeah. That was the first, uh, the first like Springfield area community show that um, I did. So I've been kind of in the area for about 12 years, I guess. Yeah. Doing stuff here and there. I've taken a couple years breaks. You know, I had a kid and mm-hmm. took a couple years off, and then um, kind of got back into the swing of things. So. Good. Good. Very good. I um on and on. Uh, the subject of theater, um, when we're talking about um, uh, things remotely uh, that they're happening, there are some uh, we, we've seen some performances on Facebook and um, of that nature with theater. Uh, and recently, um, I believe MTI, some of the uh, musical rights organizations, allowed for streaming rights for shows. Uh, right. I, um, and uh, so I was I, I was wondering if sort of sort of a little discussion here. Do you think that um what do you think um, the future of that might be with uh, being able to stream shows? Oh man, I mean, or stream performances. I guess I don't. I, I don't know exactly all of it. You um, know, I think that. I mean, I think it would open up a whole new world of exposure mm-hmm. to those shows. Um, you know, because I, I do know I'm careful of. Of how much money I spend to go out and see shows, right? Because it is a good, it's a good ticket price mm-hmm. for the most part, and it can be, you know, if you want to take a family of five, um, it can be an expensive evening. However, you know, if there was a streaming option that you could have your whole family watch, maybe for like a lesser, you know, price after the fact, maybe you have to wait or something like that. Oh, yeah. I, don't know. I think that could, I think it'd be cool. I think it could help bring. I mean, I think of like movie musicals. Oh yeah. And and the impact that movie musicals has made, especially over like the last decade. Oh yeah. You know, a lot of people are like, "Oh, this musical stuff's pretty great," and then they start to get interested in it in a more you know live or local level. But yeah. And there's other than that, you know, didn't know about it. And, and there's so many classic musical movies that people have either watched when they were little or their parents show them a lot, you know, just, you know, Wizard yeah. of Oz, uh, Music yeah. Man, uh, I don't know, White Christmas. I mean, all those, you know, musicals that people, you know, so yeah. Classics. Yeah. yeah. No, I think, I mean, I think it could be a really cool thing. I mean... Um, you know, for people that are unable to leave their homes mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, like disability or like right now if they're quarantined, you know, it'd be a really good thing to bring that joy. Cause I mean, I don't know about you, but being in a show generally, I mean, that's, 
the majority of my social life. Yeah, that's a lot of what I would do in the past couple of years. Yeah. Right. Right. So, like, right now, you know, we'd be in rehearsals. Yeah. We'd be four nights a week, and we'd be seeing people all the time. So, um, I don't necessarily love having to think about streaming because we can't be together. Yeah. But I do think that it could be, like... It could be a really good tool of technological advance, you know, to help bring the joy of that live theater experience to people that otherwise wouldn't be able to be a part of it. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Betsy, thank you so much for talking with me uh, yeah. This for this. Uh, this this has been great. Um, hopefully, we'll probably talk to you again soon, I'm sure. Um, uh, of course. And uh, before you go, uh, can you tell us your um, the... The Facebook or any other contact of your uh, of your voice lessons or of Take Ten or any or Betsy Butel music or any of those. Yeah, so um, right now I'm really just on Facebook, kind of small potatoes, but mm-hmm. oh yeah, um, it's on there as Betsy Butel music, and um, my last name is spelled B U T T E L L. Um, I know that some sometimes it, my last name is spelled the wrong block. So, yeah. uh, but Betsy Butel music that is where there's not a whole lot of activity right now just because it kind of you know hit a pause. But um, that's where I post kind of where I'm at and what I'm doing if I'm doing things um, by myself, you know. And then Take Ten has a Facebook page as well, not okay. Take, and then the number Ten. All right. So, um, yeah, check those out, and for sure, I uh, hope hopefully can figure out like a virtual voice lesson thing soon. So That was part of my interview with Betsy Butel. You can listen to the whole thing on WMAY.com slash arts and entertainment. Coming up next, bottom of the bargain bin. It's time for bottom of the bargain bin. With Kevin Hart. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Bottom of the Bargain Bin Movie Reviews. I'm Kevin Hart. So, we have this movie, Seven Steps of Kung Fu. I got this box set. I don't call it a box set because it's basically just one little DVD case that has three discs in it. Each disc has four movies. It's these 12 Kung Fu movies. And these are, let me tell you something. The... Even though it's on DVD, these are very awful quality. Something you maybe expect from older releases of kung fu movies or movies that are in the public domain. It's transferred from film to tape, back to digital, and compressed onto the disc so that four movies are on there. So the, the video quality on this, when I say film to tape, I don't mean they took each frame and scanned it. And that, No, they, uh, <laughs> they shot, they projected the movie onto a wall and then I think filmed it onto a VHS tape. I think that it, it looks that bad. It's wonderful, but that's how you have to watch these movies. It's yeah, Enough about the format here. The movie itself, oh man, I love movies like this. I don't know if you can tell if I sound excited, but these movies, these kung fu movies... You, you just sit down and put them on, just popcorn fun. Um, so, something that's also common with some of these early American releases of the, these kung fu movies is that there are no opening titles. You see the title of the movie, Seven Steps of Kung Fu, and then it's very shoddily cut around every name or company that's involved with it. The dubbing, ooh, dubbing is as bad as you probably expect it to be. 
I mean, it's uh, expectations aren't high, but this is uh, this is very, very, very special, and that's uh, it's wonderful. First off, I, I, the the main character goes by the name of Tiger, and he is voiced by a British guy, which is fine, but I know nobody else in the movie is British. Hey, come on up the top, lads! I got here, I am. Right. In fact, one of the guys, the main villain, I, I'd call him Colonel Sanders, because he is all white, white hair, looks kind of like Pi May. He talks with a southern accent. Uh, let's play a little clip of it here. Mister, I just passing by on my way home. Why ask me all these questions? You know, watching movies by yourself, me and I have the exact reaction of, you know, laughing hysterical like you would with your friends or with your family or something. My goodness, I was, I lost it when the first time I heard him talk. Him and this other villain, I, I play him here. He is just... I think something funny is going on. Better be on alert. Some of them talk like 30s radio hosts, talking like this. I hear the time. I'm here to fight you on the Kung Fu. And then... You know, one of the guys just mumble like, I just, I just saw this girl for the first time. So this ruthless general, and look, he looks like Colonel Sanders. I'm sure in Chinese he doesn't talk like Colonel Sanders, but anyways, he and his five hands gang, this is a gang of five killers, are trying to take over a town that Tiger and Lee live in, so they have to track these guys down once they find out who they are. They all have these five medals, and you know that because when they... One of them dies or gets captured. They capture one of their medals. Is sort of trying to go undercover at points in this movie. So he's like, I know everyone in this town, so I, I'm going to go undercover and see who these new guys are. Wrestling. This is before they know much about the gang. And he's like, I need to see who these new people are. But, you know, his cover gets blown about as quickly as he comes on the screen. Everybody's like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, it's almost like a parody. He comes on there like, like, dude, what are you doing undercover? He's like, shut up. Undercover, you know, yeah. It's like no, there's like, and then and then he he leaves the scene, and somebody goes up to his sister, and he's like, he's like, why is Tiger undercover? <laughs> it's, it's great. Shaolin, why was Tiger being so secretive? Also, this movie's soundtrack, uh, most of it sounds like it's stolen. I know for a fact, and it's about 40, 50 minutes into the movie. There is a track that is ripped straight from the original Death Wish. Now, you're probably thinking, okay, Death Wish is old. That movie is from 1974. Who cares? Um, well, Herbie Hancock did that score, so I probably he might have cared. And plus, this movie came out in 79, so it was only five years after. I mean, could you imagine if like some movie came out today and took music from a movie from like 2015? I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous. And credit them or anything. Just said, here's part of the score. And to be fair, the music they use is like one piano, like a like a chord. That's just ridiculous. It's, you know, it's one of those things. So the majority of this movie is taken up with kung fu fighting scenes, which is wonderful. It's great. And I hope you like this sound effect. Because that and your generic, like, punch sound effect, that's, like, all you hear. Even when they aren't hitting anything, they're just, like, you know, throwing their arms around. That's it. And another thing that's very common in kung fu movies. Another funny thing about this movie's dubbing is that they, they sort of give up an hour into the movie. And they stop. Like, they go straight back to doing Chinese. And at first, it sometimes... If a movie is in another language, it takes place in somewhere other than America. 
you know, they'll switch back to their native language for a line or a couple lines if people are talking to you. So I was like, okay, you know, I can understand. I, I, I'm down with that. This DVD, by the way, has no subtitles on any of the movies, has no alternate audio tracks. So when they switched to Chinese, you know, that was, I was like, uh, what are they saying? I kind of got what they were going for because, well, the plot was paper thin anyways, but oh my goodness. <laughs> You know, it, it, they switched, and I just accepted it. I'm like, well, uh, I guess the movie's in Chinese now. You don't have to worry. Will you take us to meet him? <laughs> My problems were quelled three. I went back, and I clocked it. Three minutes later, they went right back to English. I don't know if they just forgot or whatever but yeah they were they were speaking in Chinese and the funny thing about them going back to speaking in Chinese is the dubbing of their lines in Chinese in the language of this movie the dubbing was like bad just as bad maybe worse on the characters when they were speaking Chinese it's really funny to me but I have to talk about the villainess I don't know how else to put it but it's it's just this they're trying to get information out of her and <laughs> You know, they're like, is like, take off her shirt and all this. It's, oh. it's just really creepy. Because these are like, the, this is the good guys doing this. Trying to get information out of this one. And I, she's like one of the killers, but it's just like, uh. It's just, you know, and it doesn't last long. And they don't do, they don't like do anything. Um, but it, it's just one of those really awkward moments that caught me off guard. I'm like, oh my god. Because it's like, well, you're supposed to, you know, yes, this is the good guys. But you know, root for somebody who's doing something weird and heinous like that anyways so they keep her they they they, ca they capture her they don't kill her but they they tie her up and they leave her with tiger's sister one of the other main characters uh, in this movie who they're both kind of stuck together when they who i don't know what this movie i really didn't catch this i took notes on this movie and i did not catch the villain's name at all i just call him colonel sanders he goes back to their place of residence where they have both of these women tied up he's like you're a failure and he kills both of them and they eventually, our two main characters, Lee and Tiger, catch up with him. And then this is where this big, long, like, 20-minute fight scene goes. Where they're just beating the crap out of this guy. Or they're beating the crap out of each other, really. And they're going back and forth and back and forth. And he was, he was learning his seven steps of kung fu, but he is, of course, magically perfected his seven steps of kung fu by the end of the movie. These fight scenes, some of them are very well choreographed, lots of flips, you know, punches. You can hear the rest of the review at WMAY.com slash arts and entertainment. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next week right here at 11 a.m. News Talk 94.7 and 970 WMAY.